0: Well, good evening everybody. Uh, It's another conversation with uh, Agility by Nature. Today's Monday the 15th of June. We are still in lockdown and uh, I'm in my lovely house in Hertfordshire, uh, drinking some cola because it's quite a warm and humid day. Today's guest, I've known for a while but I haven't caught up with him for a long time. I think we worked together about seven years ago, maybe more. Uh, Mm -hmm. Our is my very good friend Achilles. Achilles, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Of course, yeah. Um, thank you, Ian. Good to see you again. Uh, we do go back many years, indeed. Um, so um, uh, when I when I met Ian, I was uh, into software development, into .NET uh, for a number of years. Obviously, started. Um, my, I've done my computer science degree when I was uh, in my 20s. I've done a master's. Uh, I always wanted to become a software developer, so I did become one. Right, one as well, if I recall. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, well, I was trying, I was trying. <laughs> um, so, and, and I was fortunate to, uh, to have sat down with quite bright guys, so we did the whole, you know, back then, you know, what, what we, what we um, consider today to be modern or agile stuff, we did back then, right, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the CI, CDs, I coded myself, all the Jenkins, the .NETs, the SQL, everything was one thing, right? You couldn't have one without the other. Um, well, then I met Scrum. Yeah, it was trendy back then, quite trendy. Uh, I did my CSM, went to the company. and was like, I'm a scrum master now. <laughs> um, but I had a long way uh, in front of me. So um, after that, I did an MBA degree just to broaden my horizons and try to you know, learn a few things. Do I want to become a consultant in the end? Do I want to do something on my own? Do I want to go back to the industry? What do I, don't, what do I want to do? And I came, out, I came out the other side more confused actually, because uh, you get more input so you get a bit more confused, right? <laughs> so I decided to go back to the industry and do what I knew from a different perspective, right? So I thought I thought of Scrum as a more sort of managerial, lateral side to the to developers. Wow. And I thought I could empathize well with them <clears throat> because I was one, right? Yeah. Uh, but I was a little bit more chatty, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to be me on the computer all the time. Um, so after that, I found myself, you know, been, been interested more and more about learning about Scrum. How do you facilitate teams? What is Kanban? You know, what is this flow of information? What is Little's Law? All this sort of stuff. Uh, and the more you get into it, um, you have a, you acquire a theoretical perspective to things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more into agile stuff you find yourself, right? And then you find yourself preaching the, preaching the gospel to people around you, right? If we were doing this, if we're all, if the BAs were sitting down to the developers, we could achieve this or we could achieve that. If supply chain wasn't so far away, all yeah. those sort of things. Um, and then we sort of started Lloyd's Agile Coach. We want someone who's fully dedicated to, you know, helping other people do that thing. Um, and then it was financial services. It was ING. It was telco. It was gamings. And uh, all these roles were typically agile coach or enterprise agile coach roles.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, I saw, I mean, obviously, you know, as everybody knows who I talk to, I always have a good snoop round LinkedIn, but actually we don't each other. But I mean, you've taken on some very um, large transfer, or been part of large transfer, Lloyds Bank, mm. g Paddy Power, uh, um, and, Vodafone. and you know, mm-hmm. Vodafone. Anything that's involving telecoms, utilities, or banking, big, complicated,
1: Planky and hard. <laughs> yes.
0: uh, lots of money involved as well. I mean, you find those sort of, you like a big war, as they say, Bob Hope. Do you like
1: a big change? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, that's, that's true, actually. And as, as a person, I tend to go to where the problem is. <laughs> I, I like challenges, right? And I like, I'm quite confident as a person. I like to go and say, hey, okay, let's sit down and see where we are and try to resolve it. Yeah, yeah. But everyone wants to do that. Uh, you see, these multi-layered organizations have so many people and processes involved in these let's do this sign-offs yeah. that it becomes really hard and really difficult. Yeah. And this is where you have to master all your pure mental power and, and, and everyone around you, really, uh, to work in a more consistent way in order to do something. Because you have so many breaking points um, that the whole thing can collapse really easily. Yeah. It's quite fragile. Yeah. So,
0: ING is a bit of a poster child, though, isn't it, for big bank transformation? How did you find your time there? Lots of energy.
1: Uh, definitely, yeah, definitely lots of energy. Um, I was one of, I think, I was one of the lucky ones because either that, or I was too good damn of a coach. <laughs> um, the uh, my sort of experiment succeeded what I wanted to do. Um, so. Just a little background, ING, ING had this McKinsey blueprint that resembled Spotify. Um, they uh, they spent a lot of money into hiring external like coaches, I think about 30 of us. Um, they gave us a blueprint and they said, okay, guys, we want to do this and become really agile and more flat structured, so help us do it. Um, whether Spotify is a company or a model, that's a different conversation. It, it's a company, right? That work in a certain way. Um, but... um. In the end, what I managed to do was to create end-to-end autonomous teams by restructuring the, the way my area functioned. Uh, I worked as a, at a tribe of about 350 people. Jeez. That was cross-border Belgium and Netherlands. Uh-huh. And we were about eight of us coaches split into so many teams, right? Uh-huh. Um, but the, the good thing about it was that it was uh, enforced and support, heavily supported from the top. And they, they sort of pushed this blueprint so hard to the point that they said, this, it's that your role is either a developer or a product owner or a scrum master. You know, they didn't have scrum master in particular or a chapter lead, for instance, yeah. or you're nothing else. So trying to fit into these roles. So I think that helped communication. I mean, a lot of people obviously got made redundant because of that. Uh, but it also helped communication that we do this in a consistent way. Yeah. So it's either that or nothing, right? And that helped a lot. Now this is the prescriptive way of doing yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you actually get people buy into that? That's, that was our job. Yeah,
0: I, that right. was sort of my, cause I mean, obviously a lot of agile people is it you know at global but think local, yeah, you're very local. It's about the team and empowerment and, and bringing cross function. And then you've got uh, a drive saying it's like this. And I wonder if there's conflict there or did it just make everything very easy?
1: Uh, there was a lot of conflict, predominantly because there's so many, you know, idiosyncrasies in people, right? Different characters, different ages, all this sort of stuff. Consultancy has been embedded into that. Yeah. Um, so you have to sort of push something in a more consistent way. How do you do this? How do you bring everyone around you together? Who who are you, this new guy who came on the 2nd of January and introduced <laughs> himself, right? Yeah. Who is this guy? What do we do, right? Um, so you have to support the leadership's communication down to guys explain to them what you're trying to do and support them and literally show them the way and uh, you know the the grass greener on the other side basically how do we do this yeah um now i say i was lucky because maybe i had good collabor, you know good product area leads and good senior managers to work with um which i i leveraged a lot um and they They had a good vision, so I made sure that I conveyed information back and forth to them. Um, And I basically, I helped him execute his vision, right, from my side, from how do we train the teams, how do we bring everyone consistently, how do we become one big family doing things consistently rather than um, an old-fashioned way.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and actually mentioned, and the other thing, um, and I think you and I talked about this not long ago, um, is culture. But Mm -hmm. and you mentioned it. You you had Holland, you had Belgium, and obviously, you know, you and I have worked with teams abroad as well as teams in the UK. And I think you have to be really. Teams across the world are very different. You know, different (laughs) countries are, believe it or not, very very different. And I think that was something that you were very sensitive to as well when you're coaching.
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, two different countries, two different cultures, yeah. different sets of people, completely. And they they acknowledge that, you know. We we were running workshops trying to learn each other's countries from quizzes and from pub quizzes and what have you, right? Yeah, yeah. They 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 knew that they acknowledged that, um, but in the end, you know, there was always this inferiority complex by the Belgians that it's a Dutch bank and we're going to do what they want anyway. Right, okay. You have to work around that whilst maintaining that, you know, guys, nope, it's not like that. You know, don't worry about it, it's going to be okay. Um, Yes, part of the truth is that, but it's not the complete truth. So, you know, fight your battle, find your corner, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, But in the end, I mean, we have to acknowledge it's it's a Dutch bank, and their vision was the one bank, the Unite. Um, Now, having said that, some of the systems will be maintain the belgium you know strategically important stuff um some others will uh would travel over to um to netherlands
0: yeah yeah and, and then obviously you've also done uk bank as well lloyds um not a, not a small bank to to say the least things about what's going on in the world i mean the banks have been becoming more digital perhaps they're trying to become technology companies I think that's what the, the, the aspiration is when I hear some of the commentary coming out how do you think they're doing and, and, and what do you think they need to do what's the real challenges of moving a bank forward as a strong digital competitor rather than perhaps still the old-fashioned bricks and mortar mm. where they come from
1: i mean, just that's, that's the um, that's the hard part right the, the barriers to entry have lowered so much that anyone can spin up a, an app bank the yep. likes of Monzo's mm-hmm. and the Rover and everyone. Um, and surely the, the big banks try to play catch up with that. or so they'll have to increase their pace, surely. Um, but one thing I want to acknowledge is, you know, anyone says that working in a bank, there can be a million different things they can do. <laughs> working in a bank doesn't mean anything to me, right? What do you actually do? There's so many departments, so many layers, so, so many everything. Yeah. Um, then in the end... We all work at a bank, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and it's indeed it's it's a hard one. Where, you know if I wanna if I wanna change the way I work, where do I start? And as a leader, as a, as a manager, uh, I would, I would, I would have a hard time answering that. Where Where do we start? And how do we push this in a consistent way? Um, then one layer down from that, who works at the bank? Like me and you and 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 a number of consultancies with different cultures, different talent, different individuals, different remits, different, you know, all this sort of stuff. So the problem becomes more complex in a logarithmic scale, um, rather than just saying, hey ho, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was a differentiating factor with ING that they, they said, we're doing this, we have 12 months, sponsorship money, people do it. Yeah. And blueprint." Um, so the, the polar opposite to that is, let's have a think about it and see where we can start. Yeah, yeah. that you can spend your time into analysis paralysis mode and never do anything. Or you can try to spin the pockets of different efforts that in the end, they don't go anywhere. Yeah, okay. that's, that's the risk. How do you do it in a more consistent way?
0: So I think what you're saying there, and I think we've heard this so many times now, we've talked about you know, transformation, bottom up, and it's starting in the middle and so on and so forth. But a fully committed sponsorship from the C-suite is critical
1: it's yeah it's critical It's essential uh because you're not in the end it's their money right it's the is a decision they're going to have to convey to the shareholders um i've written an article once upon a time um agile in a uh, share driven organization
0: yeah i think i saw in your blog post actually
1: yeah this means that um this means that where as a company when i need to pay the dividends to my shareholders right do i have room to invest and try and experiment and fail, yeah right this is this is the gist of it um, now it depends how hard into that you are, or conversely if you would you be able to t- to say to your shareholders you know guys we 're going to decrease our share by ten percent this year because we 're going to try to do a few things right? yeah. everyone's going to dump your share right so it's this deadlock situation that you have to keep the ball rolling without trying a few you know, too many new things because otherwise you are going to fail to yeah um, pay your people right yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. uh so that's that's one more layer of complication into the whole picture um and you know many people are resistant to change because of that, so that's one more factor um fear of not fulfilling not not hitting my p d goals not my year goals um all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So as, as, as we progress, you add complexity over and over again, and you unravel this as you go deeper and deeper into these large organizations. Um, that's why if you don't have Remit from the top and support, say, you know what? If you fail to do that, I'm I'm backing you. Yeah. Right? D- don't worry about it. Let's try a few things, um, and let's see where we are.
0: So, yeah, sponsorship, and I guess a clarity of purpose the why you're doing this, and, and also... Uh, and not to, there is a way to do this, and that we have a playbook, and we want buy into the playbook. Across, it seems to be the key things that I'm, I'm picking up. Um, I suppose the other thing though about the bricks and mortars bank is they've got a lot of IT, I mean, a lot, uh, I and mean, some of it's quite old, the dreaded legacy. Uh, <laughs> where the challenger apps are all The monoliths. yeah, they're all fresh as a daisy, dancing around. Although there's, they've got other challenges. Um, the big banks have got great brand, but they've got a great deal of green screen technology. How mm-hmm. does a coach like yourself at the team level <laughs> kind of work That, was, that was the
1: back case back. at Lloyd's actually, I did yeah, yeah. it was green screen stuff. Yeah. Um, and my remit there was to, um, uh, was twofold. One was to introduce um, some sort of agility to the teams that were completely unaware of, what is this? Yeah. No one told us about any other way of working. We'll just come here at 95 and we go home, that's it. Um, that was one thing. The other thing was uh, working with the strategy department um, and trying to improve the, that green screen environment.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, meaning introducing some push button deployments into that. Yeah. yeah. Now we have one hand. We we'll have this Cobol green screen environment that I think we were about three people in the whole bank that knew how it worked. <laughs> <laughs> some yeah, sixty thousand.
0: I have bumped into that scenario of three or four people know something very old in many mm-hmm. banks. To be fair, just mm-hmm. everywhere I've gone, any company that's more than twenty year old, I'm going to bump into it. I think.
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. That's the thing. And um, and again, where where do you start, right? Do you? It, it it's it's a big big project. There's a big aspiration to replace all that. Now, one thing I think you can you can hope to do is to improve a few areas yeah. as a first step rather than completely take out something and, and you know put put a cloud solution in, in place. I don't think you could do that. Yeah. Um, so the other part was you know introduce some sort of testing environment that you can catch bugs early on and the other one's to push button deployments. I think it was Topaz something software that we used there. That was yeah. a few years back. Um, We did it in the end, but it's the the amount of complexity and politics. It's immense, and you know, not just law. It's 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 all the big banks, right? It's all the the these um higher complex environments.
0: Yeah, and 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 also they have an awful lot of regulation and regulatory compliance issues. Yes, also, I mean, I think pharma very high, but I think I suspect. Finance probably is the highest, most regulated. I don't know, maybe it's going to be close to the top. Um, And that's not something that's easily got round, is it, as a code and as a business? Uh, How do you sort of keep the incremental delivery of software, but still have the sort of perhaps more seemingly turgid processes of regulators and compliance?
1: Hmm, That's the million dollar question, right? (laughs) Well, and if you can answer that, you're going to get hired to death. I think it's the the question should rather be where, what can we do, yeah. right? How, how, many ch- how many new stuff can we introduce, right? If it's not the increment delivery and the uh, – and let's not forget that Scrum is all about discovering what you want to do, like emerging stuff, right? The, yeah. the, it helps you uncover, you know, complex projects yeah. and mitigate that. Now, this, these are the polar opposite, right? We, we want everything up front to stamp it and improve it, and yeah. off you go yeah right um, so I think the the answer is going to have to be somewhere in the middle ground right what you what, what you can leverage from agility if not the you know the experimentation something else right is it is it the communication is it the product, pro the, the customer satisfaction so yeah. all these sort of areas the lateral areas that come with agility that you can address uh, if not for the regulator because you've got to have the regulator happy right yeah. uh, but surely there is room for improvement and i don't think um I don't think the, many of these banks are happy to start uncovering all that because may, maybe some people think of, you know, if we've got so much regulation, what's the point of even trying? It's always going to be yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I, on the other hand, would come and say, hey, let's look on the bright side of things. I'm, a, I'm an optimist, right? What can we improve yeah, yeah. in your status quo? Okay, maybe we, we need everything up front, uh, but that gives us some benefits. X, Y, Z, you know, predictability, for instance. Yeah. Right. Um, so maybe we can leverage that. So I think the answer is, how do you, what what can you do in order to um, mitigate this, and uh, work around this, and still benefit from implementing something new?
0: That's an interesting point. I mean, I think um, I have bumped into a number of situations where there is a regulator or a compliance aspect, not necessarily fine I think actually when we worked in insurance there was something going on there we've worked a little bit on pharma, electricity uh, smart meters and actually one of the things I have noticed is that there is an assumption about what the regulator thinks but when you actually speak to regulators they tend to be quite flexible they have outcomes they're interested in but they're not necessarily too prescriptive about how you reach it as long as they can understand you've complied so that's quite an interesting area that actually just asking those questions can change the conversation dramatically.
1: That actually happened a few times uh, in my career. That uh-huh. someone, uh, if not the regulator per se, but someone assumes that, for instance, we push code once a fortnight
0: yeah. because
1: that's because the cab committee is only approving things once a fortnight. Yeah. yeah. Whereas it was a daily thing. It was actually a virtual cab that everything got approved if no big changes were made. But yeah. no one's willing to to explore that because this is what happens. Yeah. And we go back to the, you know, do you do your 95 5 job or do you actually you know, question a few things and try to improve a few things around you, yeah. and it's this consistency and the uh, the consistent culture and, and and training and what you try to push across as a as a as a brand, as a as a bank, as a as a company, right? Yeah. That's uh, gonna fa- it's gonna facilitate for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Otherwise, everyone to their own, and you know, you have some managers in the places that are responsible to. Um, puppeteer or these individuals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And actually I I think um, one of the uh, contracts I had, we spent a lot of time building up trust in automated Mm -hmm. testing. Um, It was a business that everybody felt they should test stuff because they've been burned before. So they didn't trust the software to be honest. Mm -hmm. At the end, they were very happy to rely on automated testing because it saved them a lot of time and trouble. And we were doing so many releases, they couldn't keep up with us. So that was actually quite interesting. You, you've mentioned Scrum a few times. Um, Scrum, I think everybody understands it, how it works very well at, a t- at team level. One team, seven people, plus or minus, the usual. Um, what about 100 teams or 30 teams, the scaling of Scrum? How's your thoughts on approach to
1: scaling of scrum um, before I go about and scale scrum, I would ask why why do we want to scale scrum Good. right um, What is our product because you have if you want to have hundred teams or fifty teams or whatever a number of a big number of teams want to work together, what are you trying to do? Maybe there are other solutions out there, and I'm not talking about safe or less i'm talking about the components the, the your team's consistency right is, is scrum the best way to do do we need feature teams or are we better off doing component teams right oh, yeah. sometimes sometimes these things add complexity maybe out of this hundred we actually need the 10 right yeah. or the 15 right and everyone else is better off doing money their own business for the moment um, now having said that Obviously, you have a number of frameworks. Some introduce more governance than others, some being more uh, criticized than others.
0: <laughs>
1: um, I had noticed. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, some of them, I, I was told that there is, you know, by some more hardcore, at there's only one way to scale, that's less. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> some others will, um, will, will praise safe and, and so on. Uh, but I think so long as the 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 culture and the spirit is there and, and the will to do it uh, i think if we if we go back to the bare bones of what you should be doing as as a scrum team or as a kanban team or as a team communicate enough be transparent uh good code good ethics yeah. um trust i think if you got these there things will emerge and good things will emerge but i think sometimes we we'll are jumping the gun and say let's scale scrum out of nowhere yeah yeah, no, I totally
0: agree. I think scaling is, <laughs> you don't start there, in, in my humble opinion.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm on the same opinion.
0: But and again, though, I kind of like the fact that consistency of coming up is something that's just come up in, the, in our conversation quite a lot. Um, I, I think, you know, some people would love to hear that. When they imagine, thank God, there is a playbook. Once I've cracked the playbook, I've cracked this agility thing. So they're probably rubbing their hands with glee. Is it as simple as that?
1: Um, I apart from the values and i 'm not just talking about the agile values i 'm talking about our values as people right uh, yeah. um respect and all this sort of stuff um i don 't think there is was one size fits all no.
0: um
1: that 's why you should take a quite quite unique and maybe subjective unbiased view of each area that you go into and say that I think we need to start thinking around this issue this aspect. Rather than just big bang stuff, um, you know, Argentina tried to adopt the the, to pack the, the peso to the dollar. They yeah. failed. What two, three times now? <laughs> it's not just a copy paste exercise, I don't think. Uh, and I mentioned Scrum because the only prescribes a few good things. Yeah, yeah. IAG right? uh, did Scrum teams without Scrum masters. Uh, well, really? the Scrum teams—that's that's up for debate. Yeah, but they—they they thought it did introduce complexity. But there are ways to you know work around that a rolling scrum master game okay, we 're not going to name it scrum master we 're going to name it hero we're going to name it you know go to man <laughs> yeah, or yeah. leader you know, something yeah. for, for a fortnight um, so I think it's just for me uh, it's just the values and the and the cuts and the leadership and all this good stuff that, and, and then the, the mechanical stuff the frameworks come second I
0: yeah um, i I think you're right it, it's You've got to look carefully at an organization. They are not going to be the same. The culture, the rhythms, what switches them on, their background is not going to be the same as every other company. And there could be such subtle differences, but it is all about Mm -hmm. producing the value. Just coming back to the teams, though, and we've mentioned Scrum and we can mention Agile. Not every developer likes the Agile world. How do you like to get the buy-in? of teams how do you like to, to to get them to adopt new ways of working that could work very well um rather than the sort of no i'm waiting for the large document thank you very much
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's a good one uh it didn't some people just do wait do you want to wait for the large document yeah and that's it uh but again going back to the why you want to do stuff i like to start with uh where does it hurt yeah yeah. Word surely there must be an area that hurts, right? Yeah, yeah. And surely there must be an answer to that, if not multiple answers. Yeah. Have we considered those? Have yeah. we even talked about those? Yeah. So let's gather around and see what's been working and what's not been working and a sort of whiteboard exercise and see what we can get out of it. Maybe Agile will be out of it, maybe Scrum, maybe Kanban, maybe something yeah. else, maybe a hybrid will will come out. Uh, but let's try to see what's been going on. And it's you'll be surprised how many. Teams don't do retrospective.
0: I don't you know, why not?
1: Like, because like, they, they think it's wasted time because they think, you know, we've got other stuff to do right now and retrospective is not one of them, even if it takes one hour, yeah. even if it's on a Friday, four to five, that everyone's bugger off and having a beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, like, you can actually have a retrospective of a beer, right? <laughs> with, yeah. with a pen and paper. And that's we'll one prefer- of the nicest. To do that to be one The one. preference, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Opens up your emotion. Um, I, th- I do think the retrospective is the. Um, I was actually suggesting to one of my friends working in the big bank the other day. And he said, You know, what do we tell a manager that he's always doing this, does it, you know, chasing us around to ensure? Yeah. And I said, You know, hold the retrospective and, and find out what's-, what's causing that. And yeah. he said, We're not doing retrospectives. I said, How do you expect to improve if you don't find out what's not working for you? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. eventually they did do, do one, and they invite the manager as well to, you know, to do the uh, outcomes. Um, so that, yeah, so that that like, creates your feedback loop, and then you can work on what the team actually needs instead of you know Achilles stomping in and saying, "Hello, guys, you know, I'm an Agile coach, and we're going to do Scrum because it's great, guaranteed, hundred percent." That's a, that's a great
0: way to kill a transformation. Although, um, uh, for for people in um, podcast land who can't see you. Um, they I should just warn everybody. Achilles is about six foot. Seven, eight, nine, He's eight, nine, ten, yeah, some of that. He has massive physical presence with time. So, but if Kelly did say, we're gonna do Scrum, you might think, hmm, we'll do Scrum. I uh, uh, do Scrum. <laughs> uh, you've never abused your your, uh, your I'm Not that I'm not aware of, that I saw.
1: No, I actually tried to do the, the opposite, <laughs> yeah, yeah. if I can.
0: <laughs> do you think now that you've made the, the move from developer to to transformation expert, um, do you still think though that that grounding in development gives you a lot of advantages, or is it really such a completely different world now you've moved on?
1: Uh, I think being able to acknowledge what it takes to develop, it's it's a it's a massive thing on its own. Uh, I do think though that you can better uh, affect things
0: yeah.
1: uh, from a level coach perspective. Um, and even a, an external consultant one, because you you come in, give an unbiased, high-level view of what's going on. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you you acknowledge the effort or the uh, the difficulty of doing stuff as a developer. Yeah. yeah. Development teams. Uh, so you're not talking rubbish. You you don't you don't say something which is, you know, it's going to take a million years to achieve. Um, you, you're telling, you saying stuff that are achievable and tried and tested. I've done it myself, right? When I'm saying we need to code Jenkins to do CI/CD, I'm not talking. I've done it myself. It, yeah. It's took me a week or so at most. Yeah. What, how come your team can't do it? Yeah. So these things are are essential and, and simple. Yeah. And And um, you know, having done it myself, it just gives you a different view. I wouldn't say it's essential, but it's it's a very very good to have. Yeah. Similar to any degree or an MBA or whatever. Yeah. Um. So, what is it? Socrates said, "The more I know, the more I realize I don't know." Yeah. yeah. Right?
0: Well, I, I've got to, I've reached an age where I just don't know anything now. I'm, I'm just
1: just beyond stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's your Achilles heel.
0: Um. <laughs> uh, so we we touched on the fact you you are writing your own book, which is a, a massive undertake of discipline and effort. Thinking about your career, what sort of things have you been reading or what people have you bumped into that really been inspirational to you in your journey of coaching and, and transformation? Mm-hmm.
1: So my, uh, my interest lies a lot into you know, culture and organization, all, all this sort of stuff. And a lot of things have been written and are being considered cornerstone to organization behavior right ob um uh, john cotter oh of course yeah uh is the man he's the go-to man um for anything organization behavior it might be a little bit old well, about so he's,
0: he's, he's work's been around for a while that doesn't mm-hmm. invalidate it, by the way but,
1: uh, yeah yeah I, i've been i've been highlighting with my highlighter a lot of things in his book sometimes complete whole pages right um okay. So that's a good basis. The other one I've read about lately is the uh, the corporate culture surviving Gu- survival guide okay. by Edgar Schein. It's an old one as well, but it does tell you things about uh, from from a sort of slightly different perspective. He it has his own frameworks. He uh, talks about what culture is, what isn't, um, or the tacit assumptions, what said was not being said. Um, you know, don't try to push this. You know, maybe. Maybe a company deserves this culture, um, mm-hmm. or maybe the culture is all this um, aggregate learning that we got throughout the years that, that shaped, this, shaped this as a company, right? So why change it? Um, I also like, uh, obviously, Chialdini influence. That's, that's a must-have. Must. Chialdini's as uh, Robert Chialdini right. influence, the psychology of persuasion.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, we will put the links at the bottom of the the podcast as well, so people can, can find these books as well.
1: Yeah, I mean these are these are classics. Um, I also liked Parkinson's Law, but um, by um, was it um, some? It's called Parkinson. The guy. Hold on a second. Uh, Northcote Parkinson, <laughs> and um, he talks about. I don't know if you if you read it. It's it, it's a little bit. of... It, gives a humorous sort of side to things. Uh, it talks about public sector and how work has been divided. And basically, Parkinson's law says that uh, the, the the task has been stretched to fill up the amount of time that's been given, has been allocated to. So if your thing is to buy one postcard the whole day, you're going to do just that. So the whole day, you're going to buy one postcard. And that's going to be the only thing you're going to do. <laughs> right. um, the other one is the, I uh, really enjoyed was the, another Sort of humorous way of you know how things work is the Peter Principle.
0: Oh, I love the That's a good old book as well. It's it's an old
1: one, right? It's a classic again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I I like I like some of the um the, the buzzword that spills out in there. I've used actually used mine is, my own is called slideophilia, <laughs> What a company <laughs> likes slides, presentations like to the point that we only do this. We we'll produce slides. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's got such such um, notions in there. Uh, but, yeah, anything that talks about culture and change uh, maybe has a fresh perspective yeah. you know, on the classical side, I like.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're all available on all good book websites.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. Maybe audiobooks, if you like, yeah.
0: Talking of culture, I mean, obviously... Um, we have to have a nod to lockdown. We are using Zoom. It's a fantastic uh, opportunity. say Technology is helping. It's keeping us together. Mm-hmm. Um, we are coming out of lockdown gently, it seems, in the UK. Maybe not so gently. Uh, Europe's opening up as well. What sort of world do you think for the Agile coach? Is it going to be just continue this remote coaching? Or do you think we'll come back together? Does this make your life a lot harder for mm.
1: the coaching? Well, there's a lot of different opinions on it. Uh, I think there is a good split, if not 50-50, but there's a good split between the people who like working from, from home yeah. and people who don't like work from home. yeah. Maybe people with kids and stuff like that, or people who are more sociable, yeah. uh, what have you. Um, now, with, with Agile, we always say that you know was it Tobias May that mentioned that to utilize your five senses right to yeah. as as a human being rather than just two of them yeah um and I, I am' a believer of that um and you see that some companies had already allocated you know zero point seven five percent or 0.75 seats per person per week because they had so many people that it couldn't fit them in the office mm-hmm. so it was monetary one day per week work from home um I don't think co location goes gonna go anywhere, like if when this pandemic is over, we're gonna go back to our desks and, and, and you know um meet our colleagues and yeah. employees and, and all this sort of stuff. We'll come back. Yeah. Maybe maybe not to that extent, maybe eighty yeah. percent what it was before. Um but it's definitely I don't think you can you can you can work forever from home because yeah. that's just gonna make you an individual. doesn't yeah. make you a team. Yeah yeah um, and no matter how much we try to sort of cover that with the zooms, with everything, you know, newcomers, new joiners, and teams, what are they going to do? Like when someone is still on board, what are they going to meet the people?
0: Yeah, to yeah. work with, right? I was talking to a friend of mine. She works in HR, and this was a point that she was raising: is um, new team members and inducting It's just bloody hard. <laughs> it's bloody hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think, yeah. The other thing, of course, you know, you've worked a lot in banks. I mean, is money over now? Is it all going to be contactless? Are we ever going to go back to uh, notes and
1: coins? Question: I haven't used um, I haven't used paper money for months, maybe a year now. I think I commended your LinkedIn post the other day. Um, I think so. I think we. I think we're going to that direction. Um, I don't think paper money's got all plastic money that is now, yeah, yeah. uh, is gonna vanish completely. Uh, but certainly certainly, the, the digital era, it, it's here to stay. And I think it's gonna, I think the millennials, right? Or people, you know, 20, 18 next year, whatever. Not just that, they actually love the Bitcoins, the Litecoins, all these sort of the cryptos, right? They, they, they like this notion. So I don't think these, these things are going anywhere. If anything, we're gonna be seeing more of those. And, going
0: forward. I mean, you know, how do you keep up with all the emerging technology all the change? I mean, FinTech is moving. I think we've got to stop mm. calling it FinTech actually to say tech in bank is moving so very fast now. How do you keep up with that?
1: Well, I think you have to, I think you have to pick an area of concentration. For instance, yeah. you can't be everywhere. And I, I wouldn't dare be in anywhere, well, everywhere at the same time. Um, in fact, I would go and ask a fellow coach who's worked into you know with startups and everything how they find this area because I don't have an opinion on it I have an opinion on big organizations I can tell yeah. you about yeah. uh, about that part uh, but you know conferences and everything they, they help you keep up um, yeah. but again whilst I was a boiler I the had a sort of um, a blockchain project yeah and someone filled me in and I realized I knew nothing about blockchain <laughs> <laughs> and how, you know, all this identity KYC's and what have you uh, yeah, yeah. come into play, which was fresh. Yeah. Um, so there you go. If you're interested, you just, you know, open up a website and start emerging yourself in there.
0: No, no, I did go to the uh, FinTech conference uh, a couple of years ago and last year. My good friend Vincent Ryan persuaded me it was a good thing to do. And he was absolutely right. The amount of stuff going on there. And it was the first time I wanted to know your customer, know this and a blockchain, of course, very interesting. I mean, now that is the infrastructure of tomorrow. Surely, um, it's, mm. it's time. It should do. But that's going to be massive, isn't it?
1: There's there's a lot of uh, really really advanced stuff going on there with blockchain. that I wasn't I wasn't even aware. Like the uh, identity stuff, uh, talking about new apps that let you decide who you're sharing your data with and who you're not, and uh, your whole you know ecosystem, yeah. your whole mobile world. Uh, you might be sharing your data with Lloyd's, but not with Vodafone, not with Achilles, but with Ian, yeah. um, and that's all in a central, central sort of not repository, but bank or solution or chain, rather or blockchain. Uh, and how these things interact, and who are you selling your data to, and all these things—really complicated <laughs> stuff. But it's yeah. there now, right? It's there, and, and yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, I think that we're going to see more of it in the future once it becomes mainstream. Yeah, I think it's going to get a lot
0: faster as well. I mean, I think there's a lot of change coming on. Achilles, I think we could talk about new technology for another hour. Um, but um, it, it, like my cola's run out and I, there's only so much Coca-Cola I can drink in it. <laughs> 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 about once a week. It's been a joy to talk to you. Achilles, if people, you know, obviously large organisation banks need someone of your robustness, how do they get hold of you?
1: Uh, well, I've got my uh, my personal website, which is coachachilles.com, conveniently Lovely. named, <laughs> yes. um, and I'm on LinkedIn and on Medium, I'm blogging both platforms, uh, and I repost my posts on Coach Achilles. I think coachachilles.com is the one you go to. Yeah.
0: If you don't go to Coach Achilles, of course, you can go to agilitybynature.com, where uh, Achilles' profiles there, but also a lot of other of our associates. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. So you can contact me or Achilles, as I said, by LinkedIn. You can get me on my email at ian.gill at um, And one last thing, Achilles. I didn't um, say your surname right at the beginning. I was oh, sure you are going
1: to ask about that.
0: I was going to ducked it because it's quite hard to pronounce. So <laughs> Achilles, when they're looking up Achilles, what's the next bit they should look up?
1: It's almost like a joke, right? <laughs> That's why it was coachachilles.com, and it wasn't first name, surname. Um, well, it starts with ch right? It's not with her. It's Hadzi yeah, That's I
0: do I, you know. I practiced this morning and the lovely meeting Gil said, <laughs> don't go there. Don't go there. Don't try it. <laughs> Achilles, what a joy to see you! Um, looking forward to when lockdown finishes, and good luck with the book. I'm sure me and many of our your coach co- colleagues would love to read some of the chapters and give you some feedback. Um, great to see you, mate, and look forward to seeing you soon. You too, Ian. Thank you very much. Yes.